today in that well we're doing a recent movie and it's a full episode yeah we're doing a full episode on a movie that's still in theaters um why are we doing this honestly the little rock marathon if you really want the truth it's the little rock marathon that caused this yeah um because i've been battling back such severe exhaustion that i haven't had time to watch a, a full movie i'm just gonna i mean i'm just gonna get that out there since people ought to know the truth I've been having to recover from exhaustion. However, the Little Rock Marathon also meant that uh, because what happened was the Little Rock Marathon forced me to leave my house uh, on a Sunday morning a couple weeks ago. So, I had to go somewhere, and I had to do something. Well, I had to go somewhere, and I had to do something, so I went to see this. And that brings us to the other reason that, we're gonna, that we are going to be covering this in a full episode. The truth is, we've just got way too much to say about this movie for just a mini-sode. Uh, right. This is a really, really, really special film, so we're going to warn people right now. Full spoilers are on. All of the spoilers. We cannot discuss what we want to discuss without discussing all the spoilers. So, here's what I say we're going to do right now. We're going to get our opinion on the film out of the way, so that if you want to go on ahead and run away... And come back to it after you've seen it. You can do that. This is a really great film. Yeah. A lot of people are, uh, that I know, uh, especially the ones that don't like Frozen very much, are hailing this as the new, um, as the replacement. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it kind of is. Yeah. Um, which is okay. Which is good. Yeah. This is Disney's next big juggernaut. Get ready, because you're going to be seeing toys from this for years to come. You're going to be seeing spinoffs. Disney's going to be capitalizing in on this. If y'all haven't noticed, uh, the box office is extremely good on it. This thing opened to explosive numbers, and uh, some of Disney's best ever, actually, in terms of opening. It's performing about like Finding Nemo did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that's 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 kind of telling you what what uh, how big this is. But the audience doesn't mean anything seriously. This is a really 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 great film. Uh, and an aside, by the way, my sister and brother-in-law took their kids to see it. The same night that me and my parents saw it, yeah. Well, the they saw it after. <laughs> it scared the shit out of her kid. It has some moments. We're going to be getting into those. Um, yeah, it's yeah, mainly the uh, uh, yeah. We'll get to that, but yeah. yeah. But we just, I mean, if you, but that's that that's my opinion, and uh, yeah, this is a really great film. This is something really special. Um, we also want to get one other disclaimer out of the way. A lot has been made of the film's uh, added uh, racial uh, commentary, and we're going to get into that. 
yeah, this is a really great film, uh, and it's really strong on that front. However, it does have its issues, and for the love of God, if you think that watching this means that you can get out of seeing a Spike Lee film... This is an entry into a Spike Lee film, for yeah, God's sake. This is an entry point into a discussion about race. This is not a be-all, end-all, and we're not, we're not going to be critics who are going to say that it is. It's an entry point. It's a starting point. For the love of God, do not pretend that this is a replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is very smart about that. And so with that in mind, let's just throw on the full spoilers. So yeah, this is a really, really, really sophisticated movie. Yeah, wow. It's like an hour 50, you know that uh, Disney justifies that somehow. Yeah, this is their longest um, in-house animated film that doesn't, that's not an anthology. Uh, because Fantasia is longer, but it's an anthology. This is an hour and 50 minutes. Okay, if this were a live-action cop movie, this would probably run about the same length. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, that's kind of what you need to know right there in terms of how serious Disney is playing this stuff. In the style that Nathan always asks us to do, let's get the plot out of the way first so that people, you know, so we don't have to constantly be referencing it. Uh, the story... The, movie focuses upon uh, the first bunny cop on the police force of Zootopia, a uh, city where all animals live together in perfect harmony, sort of. Not really. The, the idea is that they do. The reality is that they don't. It is a world where everybody has their own little, you know, like you've got sections of towns where... Just like uh, a zoo. It is. It, it is like a zoo. Everybody's got their own little uh, habitats and their own little towns and neighborhoods within it. I mean, if you've ever been to a large city, you really can tell what they're going for here. Yeah, yeah. There's Everybody's got their own little neighborhoods. Um, yeah, the brilliant, I think one of the brilliant parts about that is that this is, I think this is the first time that talking anthropomorphic animals have been grouped together and they have been proportionally sized. Yeah, yeah. This is a movie where, this movie is probably a lot of fun if you're um, a uh, zoologist. Um, yeah. Because they really worked hard uh, to get a lot of small details right. Um, but yeah, by and large, you know, with the exception of the fact that, you know, the animals walk on hind legs. Right. Uh, we're going we're to give the film uh, a little bit of leeway. Oh, and also they talk and, you know, have a sophisticated society, etc. <laughs> yeah. But yes, they are drawn proportionally. They are actually drawn proportionally. Uh, complete with an entire uh, small town that's uh, dedicated to rodents. Yes, I love that. Complete with non-stop like habitrail uh, tubes running throughout the city. Seriously, this movie is going to be so much fun on DVD to stop and freeze frame because every frame contains something to look at. I couldn't help but notice, looking at the credits, this is by the same people that did uh, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, Richmore, Jim Reardon, yeah. both Simpsons alumni. Uh, Deserve all the credit in the world for the quality films they're making. Wreck-It Ralph was awesome. Oh um, god, yeah. Wreck-It Ralph was one of those movies, if you love retrocades like I do, that movie was a true love letter to video games. That was a movie that understood video games. And yes didn't just riff on them because they were popular. No, the filmmakers understood exactly what they were doing, and I loved it. 
uh, right down to the fact that a number of the uh, voice actors for the video game characters are the ones that traditionally do it in the games. Yeah, Sonic included. Yeah. They put a lot of detail into into their movies, and it shows. Um, what happens in this movie is that uh, Judy, the bunny cop, finds herself forced to team up with a fox, played by Jason Bateman, to solve a missing persons case. Turns out that a number of predators are going savage. Quote-unquote traditional predators. Yeah, traditional predators, like otters and bears and their... Foxes. Their, Foxes. They're going wild. They're going um, violent. And uh, it winds up leading to an unexpectedly sophisticated conspiracy. When you really sit down and lay out the plot of this movie, it's an extremely sophisticated plotline, much more so than you usually find for kids. And in the process of this team-up, because really the movie is mostly centered around the team-up between uh, Judy and Nick the uh, Fox... The movie serves to examine the uh, way that, I mean, basically it's an allegory for racial prejudice. There's point blank. And it's not as simple as, well, that one's the black one and that one's the, no, no. It's the other. It's the idea of the other and the fears and the anxieties. A lot of small details in this movie are references to to real things that you see in the real world. Like, to me, the moment that I knew this movie was going to be really sophisticated Mm -hmm. was when it had the, we have the right to refuse service to anyone sign. Yeah, oh God. That really dredges up some, you know, some things from history. That's a, that was a, that's been a traditionally coded sign in the past. Yeah, I mean, it's not just, you know, uh, no blacks allowed. It's also, you know, Irish need not apply, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, seriously, in the real world, those signs have been, and I wish I could say just have been, in the real world, sadly, still are occasionally used as justification for prejudice. I mean, it's, you know, and it's, it's awful, but that, to me, when I saw that sign, and it's very early in the film that you see the sign, that you realize, oh, this movie came to play. This movie came to play hard. Yes. Wow. Wow. I mean, there are so many jokes in this movie that I cannot believe that the film got away with. I have to ask you, what was the joke that shocked you the most? Because I know there were several. The first one that comes to mind is, and this is a running joke, uh, the fact that rabbits breed like, well, rabbits. Yeah. Yeah, the movie does not have any naivete about that. Uh, It's mentioned that Judy is one of, like, what, 216? Yeah, something like that. 276 uh, brothers and sisters. And... You know, when the bus is leaving the uh, uh, the bunny town, uh, like a, it's a little farming community, you see the population, and it's it's uh, it's a counter that just is constantly going up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there's also a and it's also pointed out later that she's extremely good at math because you know she's bunny. They're experts at multiplying. Yes, the other the other one. Uh, is when it completely ripped on, well, Disney films. Yeah. Yeah, they are, the, the scene with the bootlegs. Yeah, that one also shocked me, that they would, uh, they, they would make the light of piracy, especially because it's Disney, and, well. <laughs> yeah, Disney's not high on piracy. They're fiercely protective, and, um, of course, if you notice some of the titles, they have, you know, when they mention ones that aren't out yet uh uh meow is in there yeah yeah 
Pointing to, <laughs> pointing to November. Pointing to November. Uh, and, and of course, there's a there's a Rick and Ralph. Uh, yeah. I forgot what they called it, but yeah. And of course, there's a giant reference to Frozen in that scene with uh, the uh, character. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where it's like it's making fun of the uh, Duke Weaselton bit from the first one. Yeah, and then the last line of that is "Let it go." Yeah. Which, by the way, the joke is that uh, there's a weasel in the movie who um, they refer to him as, what, your Duke Weselton? Which is, of course, what the character's name was in the first movie. He's like, no, it's Duke Weaselton. And, of course, as soon as they hammered in that joke, it was like, oh, I know who's voicing that character. Of course. And you can hear you can hear King Candy yeah. uh, in at least one scene. Seriously, Disney is really using Alan Tudyk so well. Oh, yeah. Because he, he's really becoming a regular, because, of course, this is the fourth thing I think he's done for them consecutively, even. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, he's he's well used for them. He, they they get a lot out of him. Yeah, I think, I, I'm starting to think that Alan Tudyk is to uh, Disney what John Ratzenberger is to Pixar. I think so. <laughs> you know what? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong he's with a that. choice. Um, wow. But, yeah, the joke that shocked me probably the most is when... Nick and Judy are in the office with uh, the assistant mayor, mm-hmm. and mm. Nick reaches over and pets because she's a lamb. So she has a sheep fro. She has a sheep fro, and Nick pets it. So fluffy. Hey, sheep never let me get this close. You can't just touch a sheep's wool. And I'm just sitting there, going, <laughs> I know what this is going for. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I cannot believe this is what this is going for. But then, yeah, this is a movie that really has a lot on its mind. Uh, let's let's be clear about this. Um, yeah, there's just there's so much here to, to unpack. Uh, I think the thing that we should make clear before we get into any discussion of the more serious elements is the fact that let's be clear, this movie works fine as a kids movie. Yeah, this movie works perfectly fine as a kids movie. It's loaded. It's bright. It's colorful. It's gorgeous to look at. It's absolutely a feast for the eyes. Oh yeah, there's so much detail in that in that frame. I've actually got the uh, Cine story on hold at the library, which will allow me to actually stop and study it panel by panel. For those who aren't familiar with those, they're more or less graphic novel adaptations of movies, but what they do is they really slow the pace down mm. so that every line of dialogue gets in there. Every beat of the story, and they use actual film stills to do it. Nice. So, I mean, you really want there. They usually run like three, four hundred pages, actually. Wow. Because there's so much detail that they include so many stills. So this is one that I'm really looking forward to looking at. That's really neat. <laughs> it is a gorgeous looking film. It's also extremely funny. This is a really funny film even if you don't get the more sophisticated humor that's running through it. Yeah, yeah I, I loved the, uh, uh, yeah, they're in the uh, the drug lab at the end. Uh-huh. The guy running it that they're hiding from is on his cell phone, and he says, uh, yeah, I gotta go, Walter and Jesse are here. Oh, yeah, kids are gonna get that <laughs> reference. Yeah, I think my dad and I are the only ones that laughed at that lie. I was, I was howling at that reference, because it was like, Yes, there has been a Breaking Bad reference in a kids movie. And I was I was in a full theater too. I can't believe nobody else laughed at that. There were some people that laughed when I saw it. There there were a number of adults. I mean, again, let's really underline it. This movie is making money hand over fist. 
Uh, it did 70 million on its first weekend and then 50 million on its second. It actually overperformed. Uh, nice. It's widely felt that 10 Cloverfield Lane actually might have opened a little bit bigger, if not for the fact that this is kind of siphoning some box office. <laughs> because adults are going to see it. So, wow. Because word of mouth is so good. Like right now, this has a huge Rotten Tomatoes score. So, but yeah, yeah, those were great. But even if they don't get that, kids, they're not going to get the Godfather reference, certainly. Uh, with, By the way, did you catch who did the uh, voice of the uh, Don Corleone parody? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I know it. It's the great Maurice LaMarche did it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there you go. Doing a very exaggerated Marlon Brando in The Godfather um, as a shrew. He's a, a little shrew. Not only do they make a Godfather reference, they make a very sophisticated Godfather reference. Like, it's not enough to have a Don Corleone parody. <clears throat> it's not enough to include some of the classic lines. They get, they imitate some of the music. They imitate some of the blocking. Some of the framing is taken from that movie. I mean, it's an, it's, it's a very in-depth parody, to say the least. <sighs> okay, that stuff is fun. The pop culture stuff is fun. And it, it, they're, they're smart to reference pop, when they do reference pop culture stuff. They're smart to reference stuff that's actually going to have some timelessness to it. Yeah, like The Godfather or Breaking Bad, which is now about two or three years out from its uh, finale, and and which is by all accounts going to go on to be reviewed as revered as one of the greatest TV shows in history. I've only ever actually watched a little bit of it. I'm guilty of not having watched enough. Uh, I need to. I need to. Uh, what I watched, I I loved. Um, yeah, I've have seen it to its conclusion. It's, whoo. It's widely known, of course. That that's probably, I I dare say that might even be the most respected finale in TV history. Yeah. Uh, I don't hear a lot of finales get talked about the way that one gets talked about. Yeah. I mean, it 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 ties up pretty much every loose end that's in the show. I think I thought of like one or two there, maybe kind of left out there, but it ties up. It goes out of its way to tie up every single loose end. Admirable. Yeah, and it goes about where you'd expect, but Jesus, wow. But I mean, but again, that's the point. This doesn't make references to stuff that's going to be dated instantly, uh, which the Shrek movies, not so much the first one, but definitely the second. Mm -hmm. And then by the third, they were just getting really bad about it, and... God, we're not even getting into other stuff like Shark Tale that DreamWorks did. Ugh. I need to see Kung Fu Panda 3, by the way. Just side note. I may actually... I, I may do that before it leaves theaters. I've got a gift card. But anyway, the point is that the pop culture that they're referencing, it's it's not, it's not stuff that's going to date. A lot of the humor from this movie stems from characters. It stems from... Aside from the, you know, the Breaking Bad references, the uh, Godfather reference, and then, of course, the uh, bootlegs, it's stuff that's not going to date. It's, it's stuff that's going to hold up. Um, a lot of humor comes from character. And this movie has a set of really sharply defined characters that you really come to know and like. Uh, Judy is such a great protagonist to follow. Oh, yeah. We, we really like her at once. Uh, Jennifer Goodwin from uh, Once Upon a Time does the voice of uh, the, the role. And she's not someone I've ever seen in very much. I've seen a little bit of Once Upon a Time. I'm not all that familiar with her. So that that meant that it could be a nice, unobtrusive voice performance. It, and, she, and she's great in it. She's great in this. I, I've really, 
she, she does a, a wonderful job. Um, on the other hand, you've got Jason Bateman as uh, Nick, who God knows I, I know his voice pretty damn well. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched, watched more than my share of uh, Arrested Development multiple times. I've watched, and you know, and I've seen him in a number of films. Um, he's... I, th- I feel like he's finally starting to get it on the big screen. He's had a bit of a rough ride getting to the big screen. He's tended to choose some pretty, some projects that should have worked and didn't work. And I feel like he's starting to get it. I mean, the changeup is just atrocious. Have you ever seen that? No. That's the one with him and Will Ferrell? Or him and Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds. Oh, where, yeah, where they change families. We may do that as a future podcast, okay? That's that. It's that bad of a movie that I kind of. I, I, that's one that's in the back pocket. Uh, I actually cast it on that with Lauren for uh, Mommy Swap, but in a movie or whatever that show is. Wife Swap. That's it. You no, know, it's it's Body Swap. So it's oh, that's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Seriously? Yeah, it's a Body Swap movie. Uh... Except, except for the fact that the movie can't decide who its protagonist is. So. It more or less follows Bateman no matter what. Uh, I'm guessing Reynolds was just too expensive. Um, I uh, no can't even go there. The point is he's really good here. He gets to give a really nuanced performance as someone who he's a con artist, he's a slickster, but he has a good heart. He's genuinely smart. Um, he proves himself a natural for police work, which pretty much ensures what his fate will be at the end of the movie. Which, I had that spoiled for me. It's a good ending. Yeah, it is, it is. It's a good ending. He winds up joining the force and becoming Judy's partner, which is a good ending. By the way, I like the fact the movie never explicitly makes them... It never goes romantic. No, thank God. It... Some would argue it teases it. I'm not even going to argue that. It doesn't go romantic. Despite all the fucking shipping I've seen online. Oh my god, I'm so sick of shipping. I'm, s- I'm sorry, I have a lot of furry friends, and sometimes it's just too much to take. You know, <laughs> you know, we've been making jokes for months that this movie was going to inspire the furries, and... Yeah. It inspired the furries. It inspired just... the fucking furry. I mean... <laughs> we knew it was coming, but you know what? Let's just at least understand that it happened because it's good yeah like at least that's why they're inspired is because it's good yeah it's like i've got i personally got nothing against the furries especially my friends do what you do whatever i don't get you but i don't i don't don't understand you (laughs) but i I do like the movie does hold off on the romance it it, It does thank god it, it establishes a bond and it establishes a friendship which is why it's so poignant when you have that scene where Nick points out that throughout the movie uh, she carries fox repellent because her parents made her. Which I think is, uh, uh, yeah, I've been thinking about that lately, that little, little element of it, and I think that's synonymous with pepper spray. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very, it's absolutely, it's carried the same way. It's yeah. obviously supposed to be pepper spray. Yeah. But he has that moment where he tells her point blank, look, I... Like, in another movie, there might be the shocking moment where he sees it and tells her, how dare you? But instead, he does something even more poignant in this movie, which is, after she's given this speech calling out predators because she thinks that they've just gone savage because it's their nature, we're going to get into what's actually going on in a little bit, because, oh, am I going to go in some interesting places? Yeah. It's not even like, um, 
<clears throat> that scene, it's not even like that's her opinion necessarily. She's just mimicking what the scientist in the lab said. Which, by the way, is so true to how prejudiced speech often works. Which is, you're not necessarily saying it because you think it. You're saying it because it's what you think is right. And because it sounds right. And, ah, oh, this movie is... I'm telling you all, this is a really good movie. Yeah. There, there really is a lot there. And it's sort of like you're going with what's the socially accepted norm in that scene. If you listen to her speech... It really is how spe how comments get taken out of context. I mean, we, the viewer, have watched her and seen that she's been trying to not have prejudice. And she's been trying to be strong. And, you know, give everybody a fair shake. In fact, we even have that wonderful scene early on where she encounters Nick running a scam and she falls for it. And her whole point is that she's trying to stand up for his right to be respected. And treated like anybody else and then of course he takes advantage of it but but we see that that she really does give people a chance but at the same time you still find yourself dealing with opinions and i think that really speaks to how people in real life make comments that are well-intentioned but unfortunately we find ourselves saying the wrong thing like there's real truth to that yeah so and, you know it's one of those things i've done that We've all yeah. done that. We yeah. all do that. We all need to, I think, be a little bit nicer to each other when we do it. We need to stop assuming that everybody's suddenly got some hidden dark side that they're trying to express. Sometimes you just don't know. I mean, sometimes you just have to learn. But what? getting back to that scene, what's so poignant is when after she's given this speech and Nick just calls her out and, sit, and exposes just how hurt he is, and he points to the... Fox repellent, and he says, do you think I didn't see that? You know, I've known you had it on you all along. I know. And it's just speaking to that unconscious prejudice that we all sometimes carry, frankly. Yeah, and he provokes her in that scene, you know, until, you know, he does what she thinks she's going to do, which is reach for the spray. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's some really great character writing there. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to point out, Disney movies always have about a team of 30 to 40 writers. Okay, that's an exaggeration, but it is 10 to 15 usually. Yeah. We are always very strong to criticize Hollywood movies that have teams of writers. Guys, that's not always a bad thing. Yeah. Because with Disney movies, what you see is that those teams of writers working together, and that's the key. And there is, there is one overarching, like, one or two people that are responsible for consolidating that, which is how it's supposed to work. But, you ha but you'll always see, like, eight or... I think there's, like, eight or nine people credited on the story for this. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that actually works, is because you get character beats like this that get filtered in. Story teams really do work very well on animated movies, and I think we... I, th I think we gotta give that credit, um... You know, seeing a, not a long list of writers isn't always a sign that something's broken. Uh, Marvel, famously, will put their scripts through teams of writers. There's four writers credited on the first Iron Man. Uh, of late, they've kind of been consolidating it down to uh, one or two writers per film. But I know that Doctor Strange, there's at least three people that have worked on that script. And uh, what wound up happening, though, for Marvel, by and large, is they found two writers that really really get it so speaking of john favreau how awesome does the jungle book movie look oh my god it looks great yeah 
Oh, it looks amazing. Um, Scarlett Johansson doing voice work again. Yeah, yeah, and she's and she sounds creepy as cough. By the way, this movie actually shares a voice with uh, that one because uh, Chief Bogo Inter- in this. Interselva. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the other voices that isn't really recognizable. He would be recognizable if he was using an American accent, which is not his natural accent, of course. Idris Elba voices the uh, police chief in it. He'll be Shere Khan in uh, The Jungle Book, which I'm excited about. That's going to be awesome. Uh, But that looks great. Bill Murray even sounds like he's trying for once in voice work. That's kind of shocking. I know. Because he sounds like he's going to absolutely nail Blue. I'm, I'm getting excited about that one. That one looks really, really good. By the way, one thing I failed to mention when we were talking about, uh, and this is a future cast for y'all, because this is coming out in the week that we put out, but uh, one addendum for the Lost in Translation cast, where we talk about how Bill Murray kind of has phoned it in for most of his career. There's actually a recent movie called St. Vincent. I've heard that's good. Yeah, he does... Probably the best performance I've ever seen him do. He actually does do a character, and that's not him. I've heard that's quite good. That's one that I probably need to see. Um, yeah, I recommend. Yeah, I've got a lot of hope for this. I've got, I've got a lot of hope for the Jungle Book. I'm really, though I really need to see something from Beauty and the Beast now. Yeah, That's yeah. the one that I'm really excited about. Yeah, with uh, uh, Emma Watson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, ready for that one. That one is good. That one's coming out next year. That's the one that I'm really excited about because uh, it will be a musical. They are, in fact, going to do it as a musical. They're going so that means that we'll get all the classic songs. Uh, Ewan McGregor gets to do "Be Our Guest." <laughs> nice. That should have us all very excited. Yes. Yeah, Ewan McGregor gets to do that one. Uh, oh, I'm ready for that one. Uh, but, you know, getting back to this one, I mean, you, you have all these people that are working on this and it, it really does. It really does pay off because you have a lot of really surprisingly nuanced character beats in it. By the way, as mentioned, um, while we're while we're we just passed the Idris Elba as the police chief reference, I, I love the way they characterize him. One of my favorite jokes from that is a simple one. First, we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Francine. Happy birthday. Yes. It's just such a, I mean, this movie definitely is very pun heavy. Let's, I mean, as you might expect, there's a lot of animal jokes in this movie. There's what's well, wall to wall animal jokes. You've got to expect that. Um, there, yeah. There are probably more animal jokes in here per capita than Bojack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie very much, weirdly enough, this movie reminds me a lot of Bojack Horseman. It does, yeah. Well, you've got an Arrested Development veteran in one of the lead roles. You've got, yeah, there's... True. There's just no humans in this, which is something that was underlined by the teasers. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, you've got the sloths at the DMV. That was such an easy joke. But, man, do they play it right. First of all, it's accurate, because anybody who's been to the DMV knows that may be a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's founded in truth. I've had... I've had meltdowns at the DMV because of how slow it was. The last time I went, I went for a simple uh, uh, address change of my license. It took me about an hour and a half. Yeah. However, uh, that was also the day before voter registration ended. Oh, yikes. So, yikes. 
So I mean, I'll give him. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's still bad. Um, but like, okay, the sloth scene because I know that's kind of the one that Disney's playing up a lot in the advertisements. I want I want Seth MacFarlane and the uh, Family Guy team to sit down and watch this scene to understand how it is that you do a long, played out gag. Yes, and. Even if you've seen those in the advertisements, you really have not seen it until you've seen it in context. It's the context. Because they take it. They play it as long and agonizing as they can make it. <laughs> yes. They... And what's what's funny about it is that they put the character's frustration into the movie. They do. You see Judy just absolutely losing her mind with rage over this. Yeah, and Nick just sitting back and going, hmm. <laughs> and, and it's so, the whole thing is great. You've got, you know, you've got the scene where uh, the one sloth tells the other sloth, by the way, did you pick up who played the girl sloth? No. Second Frozen, that's another Frozen reference. Oh, uh, yeah, I did see Kristen Bell in the credits. Yeah, that's a very quick cameo by her. Not that you'll recognize her because she's drawing out her voice so long. It is nice to see her uh, pop up in another Disney movie. Um, but yeah, there. But you just get this long, drawn-out scene. And it is agony to watch. And that's what's funny about it, is that it's supposed to be agonizing. Whereas some of those Family Guy jokes, I think, are just in there to take up time. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's here's the thing about, you know... Seth MacFarlane always talks about, you know, those gags. It's, oh, yeah, I've heard, you know, there's, it's a rule of, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, it's funny at first, and then then you go on longer, and then it's not funny anymore, but if you keep going, it'll be funny again. It's like, look, dude, that doesn't work if it's not funny in the first place. Yeah, this is funny. This is hilarious. Yeah, these slots are hysterical, and, and their timing is so good that it just it, it kills you although it does lead to an inevitable joke at the end of the movie yeah the moment that they that you see a character speeding you know it's gonna be one of the sloths you know it's gonna be the sloth you know it's gonna be him i actually didn't see that coming oh i figured it from <laughs> a mile away just because it was an easy joke but you know what there's nothing wrong with going for the easy joke and they did say he was fast they just didn't say how that's true that's true this i don't know there's just Seriously, this movie, a lot of the jokes that it pulls off, I really do think you could sit down with a lesser animated movie and go, okay, this is how you're supposed to do them. It's refreshing. I mean, and as I said, the movie is 110 minutes. I didn't feel it. I didn't think about the length. Nah. <laughs> I noticed it was unusually complex, but that was really because the story is so good that you're invested in it. And that's another thing. Animated films, do not be afraid to give us a good, complicated story. Yeah. Really, the conspiracy in this movie is as good as any cop film I've seen, if not most. Oh, boy, I'm, mm -hmm. I, I, I know I always love to hate on Mystic River. I've been doing that a lot, <laughs> lately, but it's just been on my mind. Oscar season always brings it up. This one has a much better mystery than Mystic River. This one is a much better mystery because the mystery, and this is where we're going to get into some full, this is really where we need to get into full spoilers is that, okay, these animals are going savage. Why? Well, it seems no one can figure it out. Um, it appears 
However, it turns out that the mayor, who is voiced by a very recognizable voice, uh, J.K. Simmons, Simmons, who, okay, easy, easy, easy voice casting there, but always glad to hear him. He always, I don't think I've ever seen anything that he didn't improve just by being him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a lion here. Yeah, boy, there's great casting. Oh, something that didn't hit me until just now. His assistant is a lamb, of course. Yes. Lion and a lamb. Yep. He's he's a lion, and it turns out that he's uh, ferreting these uh, people away when they get, uh, when they go savage. He's uh, picking them up and hiding them away and looking for a cure, which really, again, this can, this plot, what's actually going on, you really have to stop and think about it because they do a good job of foreshadowing it. Like, the movie actually plays fair with you, but it still keeps you trying to figure it out. Because early in the film, the weasel is stealing what look like moldy onions. Hmm. Which turn out to be plant bulbs for the toxin that's uh, actually being shot at these animals so that they can, uh, to cause them to go into a uh, drug-induced uh, mania. Right. Of course, the mayor is not actually the one that's responsible for it, although he still loses his job and because, you know, he's he's covering up the fact that this is going on. This is still not good. It turns out that the true villain of the movie, and this is where the movie's satire gets absolutely vicious, is the mayor's assistant who is using uh, this whole scandal with the predators going savage to increase her uh, power. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, and it's you know the culprit is not of course is not the uh, the predator which we originally thought is the prey, and it's the prey exploiting the fear of the predator. Which, by the way, did you catch the uh, the statistic they keep throwing out the fact uh-huh. that the city is ninety percent prey? Yeah, uh, I was going to talk about that. Do you know why that is? Because that's the population of white people. Well, that's part of it. Part of it is because for any re- sustainable ecosystem ecosystem to exist, it has to be 90% prey. It has to be a 9 to 1 ratio. Really? Yeah. Huh. However, and for the record, let's be clear, 90% is not what white people are anymore in this country. Yeah, that's true. If you think we're 90%, we're not. <laughs> Um, well, let's just let's just get that out of the way right now. Um, the, the the racial mix is actually far more diverse than that, especially with the Mexican influx, which I always quip. Honestly, I'm just gonna say right now, I live in Arkansas where there's been a huge Mexican influx. Yeah. Um, here's the measurable difference that I've seen uh, in terms of how that's affected my state. The food's gotten better. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I love Mexican food. I love Mexican food. We have so many good, authentic Mexican restaurants here. Yeah, actually, I've been to one. You guys uh, had yeah, a... Uh, El Patone. Yeah. That yeah, that's was, a good one. That was delicious. Yeah, that was where a rehearsal dinner was held. Um, yeah, best quesadillas ever. I'm just oh, saying. Amazing food. But we have, re- like in Arkansas, we've started getting really good Mexican food. And, you know, there is a... But also there's been an influx of, you know, bilingual signs everywhere. Um, Spanish is becoming very, much more common. Uh, Spanish language films are starting to play more commonly at theaters. So yeah, let, let's be clear. It, it, it ain't as simple as 90-10, but that's still the point is a sweeping majority. Right. Yes. And, it, and her whole 
and the mayor, the uh, deputy mayor, who, by the way, let's talk about the voice on that real quick. Um, uh, that's uh, Jenny Slate from uh, Parks and Recreation. The world! Yes, that character. Uh, she voices the uh, deputy mayor and uh, turned eventual mayor. And uh, her voice is really perfect, by the way, for uh, a sheep. She, she very much has that kind of that bleeding quality in her voice anyway. Guys, please watch Obvious Child. It's out there, I think. I don't know if it's on. Just find it and rent it and watch it, please. Uh, she's great in that. Uh, she's someone who I really enjoy watching. Um, and she she plays the villain in this, ultimately. Her character initially seems innocent. What's brilliant is that every action that she takes in this movie is designed to further her plot. It is, yeah. Like, she's actually really smart. Yeah, this movie actually has a really smart villain for once in a kid's movie. Yeah. Like, when she helps them, uh, uh, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, it's set up that she's a friend to, uh, Judy. That she's gotten a, a, an affirmative action program, let's call it what it is. Yeah. Going, uh, and that, that's why she's the first bunny cop, is because she's been given a chance, and... There's a program that's designed to help get uh, small animals like her getting more of a shot on the police force. But yeah. Assistant Mayor Bellwether. The Mammal Inclusion Initiative is really starting to pay off. <laughs> mayor Lionheart is just going to be so just. No, no, let's not tell the mayor just yet. And I sent it and it is done, so I did do that. So she's, yeah, that's how she's established. Um, and it turns out. That all along she's she always shows up at very convenient times. Yeah, when she uh, when they need her help for the traffic cams, she's why is she doing this? Because she's trying to overthrow the mayor by revealing that he's exposing that he's hiding these animals. But of course, she's also behind the animals going savage in the first place. Basically, using him as a scapegoat. Haha. <laughs> Which, by the way, that's one of the jokes this movie does not make. That's true, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't ever make a scapegoat joke, which is amazing. Uh, but her plot is really convoluted, actually. But it makes sense. It's a logical plot. And this is where I get to bring up something I never thought I would bring up in regards to a Disney movie. I doubt this is what they were going for, but I couldn't help but think of the conspiracy theory that, um, which does appear to have at least a mild basis in reality, that the U.S. government uh, flooded the uh, streets with cheap drugs in the 80s and then also ran the... Uh, the Just Say No campaign and, yeah. Which, here's what's, in, here's what's incontrovertible. The U.S. government definitely had a little bit more dealings in the uh, drug trade than it should have. Yeah. That's incontrovertible. That's, uh... Uh, y'all, y'all, please do, please do look up uh, the U.S.'s dealings in uh, South America in the 1980s. They're not completely above board, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm not even a conspiracy theorist, and I know this is true. Yeah, but I- I'm not saying that that's exactly what this movie was going for. But the idea of playing up fear of minorities to get power, the idea of playing on our fear of racism and prejudice to get power—what does that sound like? Right. I'm not even going to say it because we all know what I'm thinking. But come on. I don't think Disney... Ha- you have to keep in mind, these movies are made two, three years in advance. Disney had no way of knowing just how much they were going to be on, uh, getting their fingers on the national pulse. Yeah. But wow, did they nail it. 
yeah, she ex like in her in her monologue, they got her monologuing uh, in the last bit. That's even something she says. You know, Judy's like, yeah, fear, fear's not going to win, and she says, fear always wins. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's the sad part. I mean, that's the sad part is she really would get away with it if she didn't have to monologue. But it's a genuinely unsettling plot. Um, it is, yeah. And I like that this movie has the guts to go there to to get kids to think about, okay, is that person who's spreading fear doing it because they truly believe it or because they've got something to gain from it? Exactly. That's what her character does is she forces you to stop and think about that. <clears throat> I don't think they had a clue how much this was going to be finger on the pulse, although admittedly it wasn't until I think... 20, uh, late 2014 that they even decided who the protagonist of this was going to be so maybe they did have at least a little bit of a clue seriously up until like 24 up until November 2014 Judy wasn't going to be in it at all really <clears throat> yeah she was a last minute rework to the movie nice okay guys last minute reworks aren't a bad thing sometimes you figure something out exactly and god <laughs> so likable though oh she's such a great character she really is uh, look we stay out of politics on this cast aside from the fact that we're pro-diversity and pro you know pro-lifting everybody up you know we're not going to talk about the presidential election um, it's just undeniable that this tone is there right now and this is a movie that really does tap into that it questions that vibe that we've got <clears throat> in our country of why are we afraid of these people and the when you get right down to it, the mayor's plan is really brilliant because it's it gets to how racism actually works, which is you've got the powerful manipulating racism and playing it up so that they can get power while the 90% are distracted. That's some edgy stuff. That is because that's real. That's truthful. If you know anything about Southern history, her plot is absolutely spot on to what was done hmm. in the uh, sociological history of racism. You know, the powerful are using it and playing it up. It's a, it, this is, again, this is a heavy movie. I'm not going to say that it's flawless. Right. Obviously having predators as does have a little bit of an unfortunate connotation. Unfortunately. Yeah. I don't think they could get around it. No. Yeah. I don't, no. I, I, I saw something about some of the earlier mechanisms they're going to use for that. Like, there, I guess there was one where... So, it could have been a lot worse. I guess there was a plot where, uh, you know, the way it has it now, the way it sets up the movie is, well, a long, long time ago, uh, Predators and Prey, you know, there's this, there's this dynamic that was happening. And, uh, well, we evolved. That's it. That's all the explanation needed. We, we've evolved. Um, and I guess <clears throat> in one of the earlier drafts of the story, they were going to have it to where, yeah, everybody's getting along, but it's only because the Predators are wearing these inhibitor collars. Oh, that's bad. That's, that's bad. Bad, 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 bad. Thank God they got rid of that. <laughs> See, that's again, that's why you have teams of writers working. And that's why really any writer puts their stuff through an editor. So that you go, okay, let's not do that. Let's not do that, no. By the way, can we talk about how well the exposition is handled in this movie? Because 
exposition is so hard to handle. And I've seen it done so badly so many times. This movie does it marvelously. We get the layout of the town via Judy's arrival in it, and we just see it. The movie just shows it to us. And we see in her training what she's going through. You know, so we get an idea of the climates there, and we get through the training and through the arrival scene. And that's all we need. We don't need to be told explicitly, okay, this is this and this. No, it's just shown. And then you have that exposition at the beginning that lays out the rules of the world. And it's great because we get a sense of who she is in this scene. Like we get, because it's a school play that she does as a, a little kid. Yeah. We get her character at the same time and it's cute and it's funny. It's very funny, actually. I love that the the first bit of uh, character we get from her is blood, blood, blood everywhere. (laughs) It's so great. That is so well handled. So this is a movie that knows what it knows what it's doing. It and it really is nice to get that exposition handled in that way. I I really do credit the movie with that. It, It is nice to see. Yeah, let's let's be let's all be quiet. They didn't go with the inhibitor chips. That would have been a horrible idea. <laughs> that would have been terrible. No, I also have to cr- to criticize the movie for the fact that it is a pretty white voice cast. It is, yeah. There are a number of roles in this movie that very easily could have gone to minority actors. Uh, as it stands, really the most prominent role goes to uh, Idris Elba as the chief, but he's not in it very long. No, like, he doesn't have very many lines, really. Like, like he's really all told. He's maybe got like five minutes, really. Um, though speaking of Elba and diversity, seriously, how awesome is the Dark Tower going to be? <laughs> yes, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I know some people. <clears throat> I know that some fans have tried to explain to Stephen King why uh, Roland cannot be uh, black. Come on, <laughs> come on. First Come of all, on. For, for the love of God, do not explain anything to Stephen King. The man created the universe. King has signed off on it hard, so that should be it. There are two writers that you do not antagonize. Him and J.K. Rowling. No. Though, Rowling really does kind of need... Someone really should have pulled her aside and said, Hey, if you're going to do a history of, of uh, North America and, and magic... Please understand how how that situation worked and don't do it this badly. She kind of fumbled the ball lately. But you know what? She's a white woman in Great Britain. She probably has she really should have done more research. Now what no, what's where you're referring to? Uh she did released a history of North American magic, uh, uh that kinda got a lot of facts very wrong about Native Americans and was kind of insulting to them. Do better. Do better. Did link us to something that I found. I'm sorry. This guy, I know he was doing well. He was complaining that there weren't any disabled characters in this movie. This movie is 110 minutes. It doesn't have time to show disability. Or or more to the point, it's not that it didn't have time. It's that it was trying to do so much. You You mean Thomas linked us? Yeah, did you read that letter? I didn't, no. It was pretty, it was, it was basically, it pointed out that the only time you see a wheelchair in the movie is in uh, the, the uh, scary hospital, so to speak. 
okay, yes, I will grant you. It would have been nice to do a little bit better. There's only so much you can do in one movie. Yeah, it's like, okay, the world already is complex. Like, there are tons of accommodations, like, for, like, you see the subway, or the, uh, the train that comes in. There are, like, four different doors for the different sizes of animals. Yeah. There's already enough, like, accommodations going on for just the different sizes of animals. Yeah, if, we see accommodations left and right in this movie, yeah. actually. If you try I, to, if you try to add in, um, you know, some for people with disabilities, you know, I, you could do that, but it's, I don't know. I, I kind of got the implication that they were making right. accommodations. Exactly. Actually, down yeah. To, down to, I mean, you just, there's only so much that you can do. And as I said, I'm harder on them about the voice thing. Really, when you get right down to it, I think the ideal would have been to cast one of the two lead roles with a non-white actor. Exactly. That would have been great. Yeah. Uh, there are a number of uh, actresses that could have done a really good job with uh, Judy, but um, you know what? They didn't. Uh, now, I will say, one of the roles went to uh, Tommy Chong. Did you catch that? I did catch that, yes. Yes, there was a character that is transparently a stoner. Mm-hmm. How do we know that he's a stoner? Because we hear that voice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love one of the other th uh, things that is not necessarily shocking, but I don't know. It's kind of a weird meta joke. Kind of interesting weird meta joke is the nudist colony. Where you see all these animals. They are not wearing any clothes. So that's, you know, considered, you know, because, yeah, shocking. Yeah, and the animal. But... You, you, they're also all doing yoga, and do you notice what's missing? Yes! Genitals! Genitals. <laughs> this could have been such a different movie. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was a, a nice, funny, made joke, you know. It was. Yeah, and but she's acting so shocked that they're all nude, but nobody has any genitals. It, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, as I said, I... I, I, I I, I do give Disney a little bit of guff on that. But you know what? Here's the thing. If this movie is imperfect in that area, it's simply because it's trying so hard. And it's it's overreaching what it was maybe capable of doing. I mean, there's only so much that Disney can do in a movie. I mean, that they, they, they try so hard with this. Like the whole speech about cute. They really did hire a bunny. <laughs> what? I tell you, you are even cuter than I thought you'd be. Ooh, uh, you probably didn't know, but a bunny can call another bunny cute, but when other animals do it, it's a little... <gasps> I am so sorry. Does this remind you of anything? Hmm. I would say that doesn't go anywhere, but, I mean, it's that coupled with the lamb fro, coupled with everything that just makes it... This movie tries. And so, no, if it doesn't always succeed, I'm not mad at it, because I'm glad it tried. Yeah. And you know, it occurs to me, it could have even been worse. Say that they had cast a number of people of color in uh, the Predator roles, that would have probably been worse. That might have been worse, yeah. Instead that, of, that would have been worse. Instead of mixing it up, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that, that could have been worse, so... Again, the better answer is you just sprinkle it throughout. Um, 
which by the way, I'm noticing is the case with, uh, the jungle book, uh, because you've got, um, uh, Elba, uh, Giancarlo Esposito is listed in the cast. He's, uh, uh, Ita- uh, he's uh, Italian and you know I'm not even getting into the race there but the point is he's a mixed race uh, you've got um, uh, Lapita Nyong'o is going to be a voice you've got uh, Ben Kingsley who's uh, of course half Indian right and of course you've got the lead the kid yeah who is Indian himself thankfully getting that right oh, god that movie looks so good I'm I'm really excited for that and then you've got Christopher Walken as King Louie <laughs> that's gonna be awesome yes. but anyway getting back to this one uh, I, I yeah it could have gone here's the thing no it's not perfect and as I stress do not think that because you've watched this you get to skip do the right thing oh no yeah. oh god no which you actually watched the same day I watched this yeah I did um, yeah, I watched it and I also you know it's, I've, I'd seen it before it was a rewatch yeah, and then uh, sort of a segue. I I recently uh, uh, watched uh, Shirak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spike Lee's uh, newest entry, and whoo, we we considered doing that one for a cast, and we may still yet come back to it. Uh, I just didn't have time this week to watch it. That's what y'all have to understand. I didn't have time to watch it. I'll say it's it's really good. I recommend it. It's based off of uh, the cl- the classic Greek play Lysistrata, and the tradition. You know, it even it even mimics the traditions of the Greek plays. Uh, it's all it's mostly in prose. There is a chorus, and that comes in the form of Samuel L. Jackson, because it's a Spike Lee movie, of course, and he does brilliant. Uh, Spike Lee himself will say, you know, it's not it's not a comedy, but it's a satire. And there are, but there, having said that, there are really absurdist elements in there, but, but yeah, it's basically, um, for those who are not familiar with Lizestrada, all the women, uh, go on a sex strike to get the men to, um, to initiate peace talks. And, and yeah, it goes, I mean, you know, the name Shirak comes from the fact that, well, from the very real fact that. Uh, Chicago, there's a lot of murdering going on in Chicago. Chicago is, now as ever, a very violent city. And uh, this is a real nickname that really pissed some people off when he used that. But yeah, that's 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 the level that he's invoking. But yeah, it goes... But in the movie, of course, it goes global. So, you know, that happens. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really good. And uh, it's a mostly... It's a mostly black cast... And also, it also the strike also transcends races too. The mayor of Chicago, uh, his wife, does that <laughs> to him. So that's yeah, it's 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 really good. Like it transcends a bunch. It transcends um, that, and it goes it goes for it. Uh, but yeah, John Cusack is in it. He plays a priest in a black church. Which, if you're gonna have a white guy for Chicago as a representative. That's about as that's about as ideal as it's gonna get, uh, given his links to the city. True. Doesn't doesn't High Fidelity take place in Chicago? Uh, let's see. Um, I'm gonna look that up real quick. I know he's from. Um, I know he's from there though. Uh, but yeah, he he plays no mine. He plays a priest in a black church. He gives a full 
sermon in there that in the movie that is really compelling and you'd believe that he was a preacher in a black church uh it is correct that he is from chicago and uh, i'm looking and yes and it, and high fidelity is set there yes yeah i, th- I thought so um yeah yeah because he he actually still lives there actually so yeah well, really go. good logical choice yeah and i think that um like i don't know chicago very well but I think that a majority of the film is at least filmed in Chicago. It it was. It was, yeah. yeah. Um, so kudos to that. But yeah, it's Chirac. Uh, I really, I recommend it. I'm not. It's gonna, on Amazon Prime. It is on Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's, it was actually produced by uh, Amazon. Yeah, it, it, so, it was. So, yeah. uh, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like a film that uh, was produced by the internet. <laughs> Well, why should that feel anything? Why should that feel anything new anymore? You know? Yeah. Exactly. Like it is. It is a Spike Lee film through and through. He's very in your face. You know, he's Spike Lee. That's one of those things where heavy. I think he probably does heavy-handed the best. Mm-hmm. Like if you compare this to something like Birdemic, you know, when he does it, it's not annoying because well, you kind of expect it of him. And he has something to say, that's the thing. Burdemic yeah. didn't have a damn thing to say. No, beyond uh, beyond global warming is a thing that is happening. Yeah, it didn't even seem to have much of an opinion beyond that. Yeah, I, 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 I'm really, to me, I think that Amazon backing that film expresses what I think can be the really exciting thing about the internet and about companies like that getting into production is that they can back voices like that that maybe wouldn't always have a shot lee has been having a harder time getting financing with his uh, other movies um i know he wanted to do this one for a bit and couldn't get the financing from a, a more conventional studio i mean because they're able to amortize the cost over just simply subscriptions uh i will say am uh, netflix's much vaunted uh, adam sandler deal that's kind of looking a bit like a bust um I know that the ridiculous six, while there was a big deal made about people watching it, I don't, I don't know that that many people finished it. Is what it comes down to, and it was critically lambasted. So, yeah, and that's that's the one famously where uh, they did hire a bunch of authentic Native American uh, uh, actors, but they severely disrespected them by yeah, giving them. Not- yeah. Uh, not a winning story there. No. Um, I mean, I think that's really what can make the internet kind of exciting is that um, I know during the uh, Sundance Film Festival, uh, Netflix made a lot of buys for women-directed films uh, because they always wind up picking up the distribution anyway on video, but they were like, okay, we're just going to pick them up now, and this way they can get them good hype. Um, though a couple of filmmakers actually turned down deals from Netflix that uh, were bigger than the uh, Netflix and Amazon both made big deals and a couple of them turned them down so they could get theatrical releases. Um, it's widely felt that if Beasts of No Nation hadn't been a Netflix movie, uh, Elba probably would have scored a, an Oscar nomination. Hmm. Though yeah. we don't know because let's face it, the Oscars didn't exactly do a good job this year. No, they really did not. But I've heard continuously that that movie is apparently amazing. So, yeah. Um, ugh. 
Yeah, but I mean, I need to watch it. I, I will try and watch it at some point in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Life just needs to slow down for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that it's ever going to. Hello, no. Lola. Come June. Yeah. Oh, Lola Faye. She's trying to kick, by the way. Um, she's trying to kick a lot. Uh, Amanda said she's feeling her a lot. I mean, really, honestly, I'm trying to think of what more I have to say about um, Zootopia beyond the fact that, look, you're all going to see it, so it's not like I have to really tell anybody to go see it. Uh, again, the box office is so good. I mean, for all the spoilers we're giving, you should have seen it by now. But Yeah, you, you should. <laughs> but if you haven't, do. I mean, it really is wonderful. It really is something to uh, enjoy, and... You know, I have to pause real quick and talk about how it's interesting to me that Disney is in this place right now where the Disney logo means what it used to officially. And it's not just the Disney logo before a Pixar movie, because let's face it, okay, Inside Out was amazing. I think Pixar is still going through their rough patch. That was just a shining gem that accidentally got uncovered. Um, I do not have hope for Finding Dory at all. That looks like a, a generic sequel, and I haven't even... I haven't even bothered to go near the good dinosaur, and I don't think I will because that's just a wasted premise. I yeah, I uh, I watched. I don't think I watched the last part last night, but I did watch a good majority of it last night. It's okay. Yeah, it is kind of a it is kind of a wasted premise because the um, um, yeah the ads make it clear that oh yeah, this is dinosaurs if they had existed it's basically just all that is basically just an excuse to get humans and dinosaurs together which really if you just if you just take the time to ignore <laughs> uh, geological history that's easy to do yeah it's like if you if you're gonna give me a movie where that never happened i want to see what kind of a society you could go for with dinosaurs I'm, i want to see what kind of a oh they're just they're just farmers and it's just agrarian yeah okay i don't give a damn yeah, that's pretty much it. Also, it's another boy and his dog story. I don't care. You had a great premise and you wasted that. Why does animation, Land Before Time, the first one accepted, why does animation not get dinosaurs? Like, animation just gets so lost when it comes time to dinosaurs. I don't get it. Uh, not, to, not to mention we're back. Oh. <laughs> or, or the absolutely gorgeous teaser trailer... Um, dinosaur and the unbelievably forgettable actual movie dinosaur yeah yeah i just remember when that came out uh that teaser trailer it's like oh my god it's like the landscapes i think they use like real landscapes yeah they use real landscapes yeah against uh computer animated dinosaurs it's like oh it looks so good it looks and then the second trailer you have them talking and then it just ruined it Ugh. but but i don't know disney it occurs to me that Zootopia is the kind of movie that Disney was trying to do in the nine year in the early two thousands and couldn't figure out. This is the kind of movie they were trying to do with Chicken Little, with Dinosaur, with uh, Atlantis to a certain degree. Uh, not so much there because though really Big Hero Six and is the kind of movie they were trying to do with Atlantis and Treasure Planet. They finally have got this stuff cracked. I don't know what it is, I, but it's it, it, for a long time, Disney's movies were feeling very inauthentic. They were feeling very focus-grouped, and these don't. 
This does not feel focus grouped at all. This feels special and unique. I guess it just really comes down to the fact that these films are good. I, for one, welcome the new renaissance. Uh, welcome back, Disney. Welcome back. Yeah, please just, keep, please just keep being awesome, but also please limit the sequels. Just just please do that. Uh, look at Pixar for what happens when you kind of go a little overboard on the sequels. Yeah, I don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, seriously, I, I really do not get a good feeling about Finding Dory at all. It's like, well, that, that doesn't look necessary. I'm on the fence. Yeah, it, she kind of doesn't know. That's the problem is even if it's good, it doesn't look necessary. But, um, yeah, so we're not going to, we're not going to do the, um, next on because we haven't, we're just hopelessly out of order here, y'all. So we're not going to do the next on. Yeah. Next will probably be lost in translation, but yeah. Yeah, but we're not going to do that. So, um. Here's what we will do. Let's talk for a moment about the film room lobby. The film room lobby, yeah. Because I have to get this off my chest. I've been doing this, and now y'all can read it. I did a nine-hour listen. I was going to do it over nine separate days, but I did it nine separate entries, but I wound up condensing it into eight because I didn't have the heart to go through it anymore. I listened to the audiobook of God's Not Dead 2, you can read it. All my thoughts on it are up there. It's not small. It's about 5,000 words. I cover the whole thing. I listened to all 8 hours and 51 minutes of it. You can read it. <sighs> Find that at thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com along with Nostalgia. Yes. That is a precursor to our, uh, to our incentive to get us to the website, to the full website. Yeah, read that and then decide if you want us to go see it. <laughs> no, please do not make us see it in theaters. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, the incentive for the website can be done at patreon.com slash thefilmroom. Uh, we uh, want to thank our patrons. Sheila, Bridget, Nathan, Daisy, Sean from No Totally. Y'all keep rocking. We also have a new... Uh kind of mid-tier um we've kind of reworked our tiers a bit yeah um so let's let's lay that out real quick the one dollar level gets you access to all the bonus content that we put up and the shout outs of course which we just did um and just you know our eternal gratitude because thank you you're awesome uh three dollars the three dollars or more per month is the favoritism level and that's if you if you think that our backlog is lacking a certain movie, then well, you can have us discuss it. Like your, you know, have us discuss your favorite movie. Have us uh, discuss what topic you want us to bring up. Whatever, you know, that also includes the shout out level stuff, access to all that. The five dollar reward is the Clayton Forrester level. That's where you get to make us suffer. You can get us to watch just the worst film you can think of and we'll most likely watch it like we're not gonna watch human centipede or anything if you want to pledge at the five dollar level and still have us do your favorite movie we'll do that too yeah we're easy going yeah those are the new tiers so yeah so yeah so, so uh give it a look and uh 
let's let's all let's also go then into where you can find us. Yes, uh, you can find us at the main blog at thefilmroom.podbean.com, and that's the source. You can subscribe to us there directly, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, we are we are handy, very readily accessible. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, that gets us found. It'd be it'd be really cool of you to do that. Um, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the film room. We're piling up the likes. We're almost at 700. And it's honestly pretty cool. You can find us on the Twitters. Austin is at Untitled User. I am at Permanent Man PRD. And we are less than a month away from revealing what the secret Twitter is. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's coming. It, it's, it's, it's coming, yeah. And uh, I'm I'm so excited for the April first cast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's we're making all the preparations. It's going to be fun. And of course, as stated, you can find us on the side blog, the Film Room Lobby, where we post nostalgia, and you can read you can read uh, Austin's um, uh, vent. Vent. Yes. That's um, the only word for it. Yes. Um, the God's Not Dead Two audiobook novelization um, bad 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 very bad um oh boy <laughs> and yeah you can find that goodness on the filmroomlobby.wordpress.com yep yes I think that's it be, be watching that because in April we're, or towards the end of this month we're gonna have something fun so yes yep see Zootopia if you haven't I won't give up no I won't give in Till I reach the end And then I'll start again No, I won't leave I wanna try everything I wanna try even though I could fail I won't give up No, I won't give in Till I reach the end And then I'll start again No, I won't leave I wanna try everything I wanna try even though I could fail Are you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast? Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, hmm. too. Hmm. Officer Judy Hap, CPD, how are you? I am doing fine. Well, what Hang in there. can I do? Well, I was hoping you could run a For you. Well, I was hoping you Today. could... Well, I was hoping you could run a plate for us. We are in a really big hurry. What's the plate? Two nine T number. Two nine T H D zero three. Two nine T H D zero three. H D zero three. D. Mm-hmm. Zero. Three. Zero. Three! Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No!
Sure. Okay. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. Pregnant. Ha! 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 Yes! Uh, very funny, very funny. Can we please just uh, focus on the chat? Wait, wait, wait! Priscilla! Oh, no! Yes? Flash? What? <gasps> do. No! You call. A three-humped camel? Uh, pregnant! Okay, great! We got it! Please jump. Hurry! We've got to beat the rush hour in. It's night! 